this is my third attempt at recording this podcast episode. <laughs> I don't think we'll get any more distractions from notifications um, because I, I just fixed the settings. So the last two times I'd be talking and then a banner will pop up and I have the preview of messages that come across. So uh, I always get something and it's like, oh, who's that from? Oh, what's that? Is this important? So I, I muted it and I am setting aside an hour for me to get this podcast episode done. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brame, and this is a podcast for people who are struggling with navigating STI stigma. Simple as that. I interview people who are living with herpes. I interview people who work in the healthcare field and mental health and people who have experiences that I believe can help teach us something about navigating our own herpes or whatever else, uh, whatever other SCI diagnosis. So I mentioned before to you all in another podcast episode that I'm working with some different equipment. I bought a new phone and the equipment that I've had before no longer works with this device. So I traded in my iPhone that I could record podcasts on for something that has a much better camera and lot better battery life and now has an app with it that I can record podcasts and that allows me to immediately upload it which is very convenient for me um, I'm with I'm suspending interviews because when I interview people there's a lot of editing that needs to take place I'm at a point now where I'm confident in talking through everything myself and if I say something where I stumble over a word or something I'll just correct myself in it in the moment and I'm comfortable with moving forward that way so this is what episodes are going to be like until I can get to a point where I'm in person with people more and we can build a little bit of rapport to where the episodes go back to sounding like conversations more so than interviews because um, people get nervous and there's all kinds of stuff there but Today's episode, I am going to be interviewing myself in a sense because I'm not going to have a guest and I also have an experience that I want to share with you all that recently occurred. So um, when we talk about STIs, like you hear from people with herpes after they've had herpes for a long time and they come into the spotlight, they go public, they create social media pages and things like that. And even with HIV advocates, these are people who have dealt with it and healed from it for um, however long they've done that for. And we don't hear anything at all from people who have uh, had to navigate the challenges that come with a curable STI like gonorrhea, syphilis, chlamydia, what are the other ones? Tricka. I can never say this word. Trick. <laughs> uh, vaginosis, I believe. So we going down the list of the curable STIs. Like we don't hear from these people in the moment. We often hear from them in retrospect. So these are people who have gone through whatever stages of their diagnosis of chlamydia to moving forward from that, dealing with any stigma that may be associated with it, dealing with having to disclose that to partners, the experience in the healthcare uh, field, and then like the reflection on the situation and looking at the lessons. Like These are all things that are um, important pieces of dealing with an STI diagnosis, right? But when you hear from people who've had chlamydia, I feel like there's always an emphasis on had. They had chlamydia one time a long time ago. And I think that there's a little bit of stigma there because it's like, oh, I don't have it anymore. Just so you know, like, I don't get that anymore. I don't have that anymore. It, that's what it sounds like to me. It may sound completely different to you. And if you're someone who's had chlamydia before, then maybe you can relate or maybe you can't. I don't know. But um, I think that it's important for us to hear from someone who can speak to that experience more close to home. Uh, like me. Yay. <laughs> so uh, this is the first STI that I've had since my herpes diagnosis. Now that I'm thinking about it. And um it's not what you, it's not what I would have expected at all. 
you know, not to say that I was unprepared for contracting chlamydia or not to say that I was prepared for it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't like what I heard from other people or what I thought it would look like or what I read online. It was just super mild. I don't know if I caught it early or what, but, um, it happened and I'm at the point where, uh, my window of not having sex anymore is up, but I'm still on an antibiotic for something that uh, came as a result of the chlamydia, which is prostatitis. So prostatitis is inflammation of the prostate, and I'm on antibiotics for that, which was originally caused by chlamydia. So I think that the best way to go about this would be to just you know, tell the story from my perspective as if I was asking someone else to tell their story about this. Um, just given like the timeline and everything. Um, I checked in with my partners before recording this and I have my own like little boundaries around how much information to disclose. Um, and so I'm probably going to pause at parts to be like, I probably shouldn't say this thing or I should say that. <laughs> so bear with me as I go through this. So um, I am not monogamous. I am leaning towards polyamorous because uh, demisexual is a label that falls in the range of how I choose to do relationships. I want to have an emotional connection. Can I just have sex? Maybe. Like, I got to be really attracted to you or turned on by you to just want to have sex with you and that be that. Um, the way I see it is, physically, you can be attracted to someone and you see them and, like, to me, that's the peak of it. Like, when I look at you, this is your peak beauty. We age, where things are going to happen. Uh, you won't be at your best for the rest of your life. Same thing with me. Like, I'm not going to look like this forever. So this is the most attracted physically that you can be to me. I mean, I could, like, slim down and my muscles could pop out more or something, I guess. I don't know. But uh, there's also cosmetic surgeries. But who wants to go through all of that, right? However, when you connect with someone... When you can like look into their eyes and you see their soul or you like observe them and you have conversations with them and you learn your compatibilities and where you're different and you can connect through those differences with one another. There's something there. I think that you can only become more attracted to a person that you have um, a mental, emotional, spiritual type connection with that almost seems like a sense of familiarity like I know you from somewhere like I met you before it may not have been recently in this lifetime perhaps it was in the last lifetime and so demisexuality for me means that I am able well demisexuality and polyamory um, means that when that connection happens it's safe for me to explore it. I'm free to explore it, you know, consensually with the other person, assuming that uh, they're on board with doing the same. And so um, just wanted to drop that little disclaimer in there because uh, there are multiple uh, people that I had to disclose to. And I didn't want nobody being like, oh, my God, Courtney over there being uh, whatever Courtney's being uh, single. No, I'm just kidding. Let me stop. <laughs> All right. So I noticed the beginning symptom for me um i had had sex with uh my partner i've chosen to um have unprotected sex with for a while we've been probably doing that for about a month now and um we were having sex with condoms prior to that and i've known about her other partners we had the conversation around scis getting tested and everything and um we made a decision to move forward not using protection and after this particular time, I have sex with her and I pass out. I always pee after sex. And if I don't know anything else from all these uh, sex people on Instagram that I follow, it's always pee after sex. And this was just one of them nights, y'all, where you just, you fuck, you pass out, and then you wake up like shit. So I go to pee, and that first pee after you get off is always intense. Like it has like some kind of a, 
ah to it. This time it had more of a, whoa, what the fuck was that to it? And so um, I peed and was like, huh, that initial sensation wasn't like the ones that normally come afterwards. Maybe, maybe this is a one-off. And so every time I peed after that, I didn't feel anything. Like I didn't feel any sort of a stinging sensation. Um, and I know that STIs are typically associated with like a burning urine sensation, blood, discharge. Um, and then when I was reading up on it, they mentioned like fevers, body aches and chills. And um, I didn't have any of that. So I go on about my life. And um, after what a day or two, I did notice that my pee wasn't coming out with the kind of force that it normally has to it. So like when you turn on a water hose and you don't have like a hose head on it, it just fucking runs. That's what it's supposed to be like. But this seemed like the water was turned on, you know, kind of a little bit slower than normal. And I noticed that after a couple of days and was like, this is weird. Let me look this up. So I'm reading and it talks about, um, kidney things and it could be a UTI, which is rare for men to have. And so I'm looking further into it. And of course I scare myself. I scare myself into thinking, um, that <laughs> I thought this was anything between a UTI and prostate cancer. So I was like, yep, let me go ahead and go into urgent care. And I did not want to drop this money, but I had to drop this money. Um, it was very important for me. Like, I don't normally go to the doctor, but in this case, what had ended up happening was um, this wasn't seeming to get better. It looked like something where, okay, Courtney, you're dehydrated. But if this is a infection that is affecting the kidneys, I definitely don't want this to get worse. So I go into urgent care, the lines around the corner. I'm there 15 minutes before they open. Everyone's getting COVID tested. So the line's moving rather fast. Um, they asked me what I'm there for. I told them that I was having what I thought were UTI symptoms. And so they uh, eventually, a couple hours later, they call me and tell me that they're ready for me to come. So I go in and um, I'm talking to the uh, front desk lady, you know, filling out the paperwork and everything. And then they sent me to a room. I also got COVID testing done because I overheard someone say that if you pay the $99, you'll eventually get reimbursed in like eight weeks, thanks to the CARES Act. So I was like, oh, well, since I'm here, might as well. Now, sitting in a room um, after they do my COVID test, um, the nurse comes in and asks me about why I'm there, what my symptoms are. And I let them know about uh, the initial P situation. But I was like, I'm not feeling it like it, it's not burning like you would think uh, STI symptoms. There's no blood. There's not been any fever. Like It doesn't really make sense to me. And I mentioned to her, oh, and my butt hurts. Um like where my prostate is, I guess. At the time, I didn't know that that's where it was. It just kind of felt like a hemorrhoid or something, but you couldn't feel or see a hemorrhoid. It was just like an internal thing. And then I started thinking, well, maybe like I'm having an outbreak right there, but that didn't feel right. I didn't, I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me really. So she asks me um, a couple of questions. She asked if I was concerned about UTI or STIs. And I was like, Nah, because I just got my test results in um, negative for any SCIs uh, last week. It, at that point, it would have been last week or two weeks ago. And um, I was like, I, I've been with the same person, so I'm not really worried about it. Um, but treat me accordingly. <laughs> this is a very important part of the story. I told her, but treat me accordingly. And so she's like, okay. They take a urine sample. Um, I remember I got the shot in my butt and then four pills um, as precautions of gonorrhea and chlamydia. They told me that the UTI test came back negative, which was something that they figured out right away. It was like, oh, it's not a UTI. And then um, I pointed out to her again my butt. And so I had to turn over on my side. She had to put a finger in my ass. And um, I went out because something in there was not right. And so... She um, tells me that the prostate is, in fact, inflamed, and she gives me, um, she tells me that she wants me to see a urologist. And so 
they leave the well, she left she had to have another person in there so some dudes watching me get fingered in the ass and then they both leave the room and I'm just in there chilling <laughs> and she comes back with uh discharge paperwork for prostatitis she was like all right we prescribed you an antibiotic uh you'll be on that for a month have a great day she's like okay cool so I leave and um, you know, I was communicating with everybody at this point, like, oh yeah, you know, I went to urgent care, they told me I had prostatitis, blah, blah, blah. And that was it. Like that's what I'm thinking. All right, I can't work out for a few days. I need to rest and let this go away. Drink lots of water, avoid caffeine, no alcohol. Simple as that. This was on I believe it was a Wednesday. It was a Tuesday or Wednesday. I wanna say it was Tuesday. Friday, I had sex again with the same person that I've been having sex with. Saturday morning, I have sex with the same person I've been having sex with. Sunday morning, about 8 a.m., I get a phone call from uh, the place that I went to for everything. And they called and they go, <laughs> the guy goes, yeah, so when it comes to your gonorrhea test, it sounded like Maury a little bit. You are not the father. But he was like, yeah, uh, gonorrhea came back negative. He paused. He goes, your chlamydia test uh, came back positive. And I remember thinking to myself, I ain't cut out for this non-monogamy shit, y'all. <laughs> that was my immediate thought. And um, I was like, okay, are y'all open today? And he was like, yep, we're open till 8 p.m. I was like, I'll be there soon. So I was wondering, because they wrote me a prescription for something, and I didn't know if that antibiotic was for chlamydia or if that was for prostatitis. And at this point, I hadn't gone to pick it up because the paperwork that I received had said, um, rest, drink water. Um, if your symptoms worsen, call us. I thought that the antibiotic that she talked about prescribing was what I took in the office. So I had questions, and I had to call back and be like, hey, can you help me with clarifying some things so um we go through the medications we go through the invoice and they were very very helpful here and it comes to find out that the prescription that i needed to go and pick up was actually for my prostatitis which was caused by chlamydia that i later learned that's a quick story so um when you look up prostatitis it'll say inflammation of the prostate usually caused by the word is not chlamydia but it looks like it and the other word is gonorrhea it's not gonorrhea but it looks like gonorrhea and so just fun fact prostatitis is caused by an sti this is a thing that can happen if it goes untreated so i probably will have had it from that moment where i pissed and just overlooked it as oh this is a first pee after sex and i didn't pee right away it's always a knee buckler, right? Dismiss that, and then five, six days later, um, prostate gets inflamed, and I need treatment for prostatitis as well. So, um, I after I got that call, you know, I'm looking to see if there's another place that I can go to, and I catch myself like having thoughts that you know, Courtney would have. So H on my chest had his moments and then Courtney had his moments. Courtney's moments were like, man, what the? And just like having his feelings about this. This is my first time having an STI. I did almost everything right. And that almost is important here because uh, I'll, I'll bring that back full circle. Um, had the conversation. Do we want to use condoms? We use condoms. Rapport was built. Trust was built. Um, and it still happened, <laughs> right? So not only that, but I have to go back and see these people again. I have to go back in here and say that I tested positive for an SCI and I need to be treated. Not just that, but I need to be treated again because I reinfected myself after you had already treated me, right? And what rubs me the wrong way about this is that in hindsight, now mind you, this is hindsight, it seemed like no one wanted to tell me that this was possibly an STI. That's probably what bothers and scares me the most out of this because that's, I mean, that might be the reality of it. Like, I could have come in there in denial. I mean, I think perhaps I was in denial, um, but I had no reason to think that this would have been an STI or that it would have been chlamydia. Um, everything said prostatitis when I left but had they you know said to me hey we just um we just 
this is a tentative diagnosis. We'll get the paperwork back for real, but I think it's chlamydia. If I would have heard those words, I wouldn't have reinfected myself. So this, like, to me speaks volumes on the transparency of communication, perhaps comfort, perhaps I intimidated the uh, nurse practitioners to the point where they were like, oh, well, he just got his test results back, so it's not chlamydia, or he's so confident in his partner that they're only sleeping with each other, or like there weren't there weren't enough questions for my liking. And I've gotten tested before at an organization here in St. Louis called St. Louis Effort for AIDS. And they asked me um, about my, they gave, they did like a sex history, I think it's called, um, sex assessment. I think it was a history, partner history. They asked if I had sex with men. They asked if I had sex with uh, trans people. They asked if I had sex with sex workers, if I was sharing needles at all. They asked if I was polyamorous like they asked me so many questions to get an idea of whether or not I was a candidate for prep but to also give me the information tools and resources that I would need when I walked up out of there to be more informed more empowered and be able to make decisions um around my sexual health in a way that protects not only myself but also my partners and when I left this place, I just didn't have that. I didn't feel that in any way, shape, or form. Like, I thought that sex and conversations around sex and sexual health were just completely being avoided there. And so, I, um, coming back to the story, I got sidetracked there. I go back to the facility. Well, first I called and asked if there was a way. They were like, nope, first come, first serve. So, I get there pretty quickly and... And we got masks on, and I look at the lady. She asked me, all right, what brings you in today? And it's like, I need to be treated for chlamydia. And I, I guess I said it louder than they're used to, because for someone to say, hey, I have an STI and I need treatment, that, her eyes got big. You know, people are wearing masks, so it's hard to pick up on facial expressions, really, but I saw how big her eyes got. And that, was, that just kind of made my day, being able to walk in, with that kind of confidence and be like, this is what I'm here for. So they take me in the back. Fortunately, I didn't have to pay another um, like fee for the visit. Um, so they take me in the back. I have to fill out a little bit of paperwork, not near as much as last time. But uh, I get sent to a room and the nurse comes in fairly quickly. She goes, hey, I'm looking at your chart and it shows that we treated you. And I, I cut her off. I was like, <sighs> I left with a diagnosis of prostatitis, and from what the paperwork says, like, you don't have to stop having sex, so I had sex Friday, I got the call Sunday that, excuse me, I got the call on Sunday that I was positive for chlamydia, and I'm coming back for treatment because I reinfected myself, she's like, oh, got it, that makes sense, okay, I just didn't want to over-antibiotic you, or whatever she said, so... Um, with her, I asked a few more questions just to like, make sure that things were okay. I was like, so what medication is this that you're giving me? She's like, okay, the shot is for gonorrhea. The pills are for chlamydia. Um, don't have sex for a week after you get these. And, um, that was it. Like there was no, uh, I, I expected there to be a follow up with us blank, or a follow-up on testing, or a follow-up, I don't know, I just, I left, and I wasn't empowered, I wasn't informed, and when I left this time, or when I was headed there, I was dealing with some stigma, and when I left this time, I was dealing with some stigma, because it was like, damn, I had to get treated for chlamydia twice in the same week, wow, so not only my first time getting chlamydia, I can get it twice, <laughs> It's funny now in hindsight. That shit wasn't funny at the time, though, y'all. But I've been telling everybody, you know, this is prostatitis, prostatitis. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just not a prostatitis. Like, that's how I've been presenting it. When the reality is that it wasn't, it was, the prostatitis was caused by chlamydia. Now, why I wasn't told this initially, like, these are healthcare professionals, healthcare providers. And 
you diagnosed me with prostatitis, but there was no conversation on, hey, this could have come from chlamydia. Because when I asked what what's prostatitis come from, they're like, oh, it just happens. It's something that just happens. I was like, all right, well, I guess this just happens. And then I leave and find out fucking three, four days later that I got chlamydia. Like, y'all didn't see this coming. <laughs> y'all couldn't tell me that perhaps that's what it could have been, maybe, possibly. And then with that, like, I would have been able to um, just inform my partner. We wouldn't have had sex and I wouldn't have reinfected myself, right? Um, and she could have gotten tested and treated for it sooner. Uh, sooner. <laughs> Something just flew by the microphone. And... um yeah, we we just had this all taken care of. But um, when I let her know, she wasn't having any symptoms at all. Um, but she was able to get tested and get treated right away. So that was good. Um, the challenging part about this, outside of stigma, um, internalized and from the healthcare providers and looking at how Courtney was responding versus how H on my chest knows to respond. Um, there was a little bit of a, a tug of war there. There was some tug of war because it was like, Courtney's having his feelings. Courtney is second guessing this non-monogamy stuff. Courtney's like, but I did everything I was supposed to do. And then H on my chest is kind of like consoling Courtney. And like, hey bro, this shit just happens. Here's the lessons. And... I, I got the lessons out of it for, and there were actually a few. And one of which is um, that, you know, regardless of how much trust you have between you and your partner and your partners, um, that's, that's a two-way trust, right? I think that it's important for us to, without prying into our partner's lives or their sex lives, like, you it's easy to like judge a person based on who they have sex with or judge the person that they're having sex with and be like, oh, this is this kind of person or whatever. And I, I felt that for myself in regards to one of my partner's partners. And it was completely unwarranted. It was uh, like I didn't have a lot of information about one partner. I knew a lot about another one, that it was a healthy friendship there. There was respect, there was trust, there were all these like positive things. And then with the other one, it was like, there wasn't really much there. Like, I just thought, oh, this must be the dude that she really likes, you know? <laughs> so we ain't going to talk about it, really. But then there was, like, a couple of times where something came up that kind of, like, set off my red flag radar about there just not really being complete transparency or trust between um, both of them, right? And I dismissed this red flag as prejudice, for myself, like I was like, ah, no, Courtney, that ain't right. You don't have any information to go off of that would like warrant this red flag being valid. Stop being prejudiced. That red flag that I dismissed as prejudice was perhaps intuition. My gut saying to ask more questions. My gut saying to get a feel for this person because the relationship doesn't seem like one that's caring. And come to find out, well, by the time that I found out or had that intuition validated, um, it will have been after the point where infection would have occurred, right? Um, so I had that happen. And then I was thinking to myself about several interviews that I've done where the women have shared something told me blank, like my intuition, like they've gone against their intuitions. Um, not necessarily to say like, you wouldn't have gotten herpes or an STI from sleeping with this person if you just followed your gut. But I think that I would have had more information to make a more informed decision had I trusted my gut initially and asked more questions about her relationship with her other partners, like as hey, I hear about this person and how, like, y'all have a very healthy relationship and he's a positive influence on you, he's supportive and everything, but I don't hear much about this other person. I know you're seeing another person, like, can you tell me about that relationship? Are you taken care of? Are you um, supported in this one? Do you trust each other? 
because then I would have been able to make a different or better or alternative decision there um, as far as moving forward went. And so um, it was intuition. It wasn't, it wasn't prejudice in any way, shape, or form to think that about uh, this other person that I've never met, never seen, never will meet, never will see. Um, so that was a challenging part of this was pulling out that particular lesson because it's real easy to think in hindsight, what could I have done differently? And then to also realize, oh, okay, I could have done this differently. And then it's like, damn, why didn't I do that? And you can start to really linger on that and reflect on that. But that's that's Courtney. That's old Courtney who didn't know any better or anything like at this point of integration with H on my chest. Again, you know, H on my chest is consoling and being like, here's what the lesson is. Like, I can do that shit instantly. But my problem is that I'll do the H on my chest thing like right away. And then the things that Courtney needs in order to catch up with H on my chest have just kind of been forgotten about. And in these things, there are lessons that allow for me to level up. So I have a projected idea of who I want to be in the world, who I'm becoming, and that's H on my chest. Who I am, I'm, I'm Courtney. <laughs> you know, Online, like everything seems perfect because I can edit it, because I have time to think about it, because I have... Uh, time to come up with the words. I have uh, edits. I can undo things. I can get feedback. I can get validation. But in the moment, Courtney has to be at a place where rather than cutting through everything and looking at the depth of it, like I have to be able to take the situations, the pieces of them so that I can level myself up. And at some point, you know, Courtney and H on my chest are going to catch up to one another and be one badass motherfucker. But at this point, like, Courtney took the, the Courtney had the bulk of responsibilities here because I'm actively working to pick up the little nuggets along the way, regardless of how simple it is for me to cut through to the core of a situation be like, okay, fuck the symptoms. Here's the disease. Let's cure the disease. But in those symptoms, it's like, well, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh okay. Well, I guess we're going to just let this go. There's something to be learned. And so rather than me dismissing my intuition as prejudice, I think that it's important for us to really, well, me, and this is me speaking here, it's important for me to allow for those observations of, you know, the red flags or whatever it is that's coming up for me. I need to allow space for those things to um, be observed so that I can take whatever it is that's there and then do the steps necessary in order to make informed decisions. So the uh, conversations with, uh, I needed to have two conversations, um, my unprotected partner and then with a protected partner. Cause uh, oh my God, that was, oh, that was, it was embarrassing flat out to say the least. I felt the sense of embarrassment um, initially after this diagnosis. Uh, with herpes, I think my initial feelings were, oh my God, who else did I give this to? And then after that, uh, I don't know that I felt any embarrassment really, but this time I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to have to go to the doctor twice. I was embarrassed to, after having just tested negative. Um, I have to tell you know my partners at this time, like, hey, I'll test you positive for chlamydia. Make sure you go get treated. <laughs> However, you are supposed to deliver that kind of information. And there's never really a right time to disclose that. So for me, it was just, all right, well, when contact's made, like, I'm going to do it today. However uh, abrupt it may seem, I need to let them know. And so uh, telling them seemed it was it was a little bit embarrassing to even just tell them like yeah we've been physically intimate like we've been on in front of under behind bodies with one another yet it's hard for me to say to you hey i tested positive for chlamydia you should go get checked as well right and why is that like something happened to my body, I might have put you at risk for your body to have the same things. Like when we have a cold, the, the, the cold symptoms suck. 
and we're like, oh, I hate sneezing. I hate my runny nose. Bear. When we have chlamydia, it's it should be, you know, whatever the symptoms are, this is a pain in the ass. But, like, we don't get upset about having to tell someone, hey, I got a cold. Like, why, why is that? I'm sick. I don't want to get you sick. Um, I may have gotten you sick. I got a cold. Like, it is what it is. There's no stigma there. But because we're naked or we're naked because it's sex, that's where the stigma came up for me personally. And not only that, but, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things like out of the norm. Like I live an alternative lifestyle. I have sex with multiple people. I have unprotected sex with one person. I have protected sex with another person. And everyone knows that this is a thing for me. I've communicated. I've taken what I thought were the best precautions for everyone and continue to communicate with transparency throughout the process and everything. But why is there still, why is there still stigma? Like what's, what's there? Other than the fact that it's sex, (laughs) right? So, um, I have resolved this with just feeling my feelings, dealing with my feelings, and then allowing for myself to heal. Because I told a lot of people I had prostatitis, and it's like, shit, prostatitis is caused by chlamydia. So now I got to own that shit, (laughs) right? And that's where I'm doing it here. I'm not about to make a post about this. I'm not about to announce this shit to the world. Like, this is me putting this on the podcast for... You know, the community that I've created that you all have helped support and uplift and uh, get people in here. Like, y'all are the people who are going to hear this story. Y'all can benefit from it. And that it is what it is. You know, whoever else finds this recording, yay. Hopefully you get something out of it. But this is for y'all because I can't sit up here and be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to have all these people on here share their experience with SCIs and I have an experience with an SCI myself and then I share it. You know, how hypocritical is that? <laughs> um, the one of the most challenging parts of this was also, you know, just like having to tell someone that you had sex with for the first time, even like, hey, I might have given you chlamydia. Like, what? <laughs> what kind of shit is that? <laughs> oh, that's 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 probably another piece of it that was embarrassing. Because it's like, damn, this wasn't even a really good experience. And then also, like, um, after reading, I, I read a lot of the symptoms of, uh, like, chlamydia, prostatitis, is that it's linked with uh, erectile dysfunction. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. Because I haven't, like, I'll get hard. But then I haven't, like, stayed hard and I haven't really had an urge to masturbate. So, like, sex didn't hurt or orgasms didn't hurt. Um, I don't recall seeing any discharge. Like, maybe there was, like, some pre-con that came up. But there was no, the symptoms didn't match what was on the, what was on Google (laughs) for chlamydia or any STI. Like, and I, I just felt so bad. It's like, how the fuck did I miss any of these symptoms? Like... I didn't get the fever, no blood in the urine, it didn't burn, it was just slow flowing, and um, yeah, so like telling her was challenging, so it's like, hey, I, I'm sorry, this came up, this happened, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to inconvenience you, like, if you're comfortable with it, like, let me get you an at-home STI testing kit, and then that'd be how we take care of it, right, so... Yeah, that that was a that was another thing because like I changed my whole lifestyle over the course of between Sunday and Tuesday. I made the decision I ain't eating meat no more in my house. I'm going vegetarian, like, and that's as a result of what I thought was ED. Because I was like, oh my god, I don't know what this is coming from. This is the first time this ever happened. I was like, fuck. <laughs> so, um, chlamydia causes prostatitis. Prostatitis causes erectile dysfunction. Um, medications treat the chlamydia. Medication treats the um, prostatitis. The chlamydia medication was just like a one-time use. But the prostatitis is something that I'm going to have to take for 
what's it been like a week now? I got to take it for three more weeks. So I won't be able to, no more tipsy talks over the weekends. Um, I won't be able to drink at this wedding I got to go to. <laughs> so uh, this is this is the kind of stuff that I feel like people need to hear. People need to know, like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to struggle with stigma, regardless of how often you listen to this podcast, how empowered you feel, you're still human. I host the podcast and I still had to deal with some stigma myself. And so I do know that once I was able to tell my partners, they were both really fucking cool about it. And so that tells me that I have a good people picker. I'm glad that I was able to disclose that to um, everyone and be able to move on. Uh, another thing that sucks was um, one of my partners came into town from like pre-quarantine and she didn't have long to stay. So she came over for like 30 minutes and we just talked for a little bit and caught up. And then she left. She was like, hey, I can make time for you um, Thursday night. And I was like, oh. all right. So see what happened was, and then I had to tell her the story. So like, even then it was embarrassing because now I got to tell <laughs> like this unexpected situation happened. And I'm now finding myself having to disclose to three people, you know, from a situation that, um, from a situation that I guess probably I should have only had to tell one person, right. Or two, um, if sex was possibly on the table, um, and I knew about this, right? So, yeah, that's, after having told them, I felt better. And I think that where I felt embarrassed and bad, that lingering sensation of, oh my God, when am I going to do this? That's where the suffering lied. The suffering was in that space. The suffering was from inaction. I'm not sure when to tell. I'm not sure how to tell. I'm not sure how they're going to be affected by this. The sooner, the better. I mean, that's the moral of the story here is when you know, let them know. And that's, that was, that was what it was for me. So here I am now. Um, I'm, I should be cured of the chlamydia. I'm treating the prostatitis. I no longer have symptoms. Um, I'll be able to have sex. What was it? Oh, today's my seven-day mark. Um, so I can have sex again, but I'm I'm just going to chill out for a little bit. <laughs> Let's give it two weeks just to be safe. And then um, I know now that my conversation needs to change. Like I need to have a little bit of a different conversation and like inquire on the relationships that my partners have with other partners, you know, just making sure that it's one of trust. It's one where, um, they're taken care of. I personally think that no one should treat you any less than you treat yourself. Cause that's all people can give at best. People can only treat you as well as they treat themselves. And that goes back to the gray rule. If you want to go back and listen to that podcast episode, um, but I, I tell everybody that I'm dating, anyone that I'm serious with, like, hey, listen, you've gotten a chance to see how I treat you. Now, don't let anybody else treat you any less than what you're getting from me. And I mean, shit, I don't feel like I give much. Like, <laughs> I give, a, I'm a damn good listener and I will give you all the emotional support and I will take care of you um, within reason and what I have to offer. So, it ain't much. It don't take much for you to get treated a little bit better than I do. Then I'll be able to treat you. So um, I think that that is a baseline of a standard for myself moving forward. Like that's that's what I need in order to feel safe. So as a result of this negative situation and pulling out the lesson from it, whereas normally I would have just cut through all of it and left the nuggets on the ground because I'm in such a rush to catch up with H on my chest as Courtney and be in that space like I think this is going to be the thing that gets me there faster because while I'm in this rat race to become you know integrated Courtney H on my chest all in one my power-ups along the way and I'm speaking in gaming terms the power-ups that come from these lessons allow for me to speed up and catch up with you know where future Courtney is going to be and I think that picking up the lesson here putting it on display for you all is something that's leveling me up. Like I have, I have like a clear vision of where I see myself now. 
and part of that clarity comes uh, comes <laughs> part of that clarity comes from me having shared this because I've thought about it for a while like I wanted to do it you know right then and there in a the moment but it wouldn't have come out like this I wouldn't have had the conversations I wouldn't have had like the assurance from my partners by our ongoing communication that like this was okay um I, like I said I got approval from them to talk about this and share this story um i hope i did so in a way that made sense that had enough detail for you to be able to take away from this um whatever it is that you need to get from it um if you have any questions at all like i'm happy to answer anything that i can um about this i'm not gonna tell you who they were obviously but (laughs) if in relation to my experience reach out (laughs) excuse me um yeah, but I, for me, another thing is that the healthcare providers, it bothers me that they seem to so unwilling to tell me, hey, this might be an STI. The fact that there wasn't more sex education around it. It's just like, oh, you got chlamydia, here's the cure, don't have sex for a week, bye. And I got a piece of paper that told me what chlamydia is. And it talked about it in a little bit of detail. But... How is this how is this contributing to prevention? How is this communi- uh, contributing to the destigmatization of not only STIs, but also talking about STIs, talking about sexual health? You know, they just said let your partners know. That's it. That's not that's that's not where we're that's not where we should be at in twenty twenty. <laughs> it just isn't. Um, but this experience also highlighted for me something that I've said several episodes ago about the importance of finding sex positive healthcare providers. Um, you may or may not remember the We Need a Button campaign advocating for sex positive, queer friendly healthcare. We don't have that anymore. We've unfortunately lost them as a sponsor, but there's going to be, there's, this shows that there's a need for that or something very similar to it. I want to be able to tell people with confidence, if you feel like you're having STI symptoms or if you need STI-related education or sexual health education, sex education, period, these are some resources that you can go to in your area. Free STD testing and treatment, um, comfortable, knowledgeable, honest, transparent care providers who are there with you every step of the way from diagnosis to teaching you what you need to know about disclosure. That's what we need. That's what I needed. I needed that on uh, Sunday when I went back into the office. I needed that when I was first diagnosed. And I didn't have it. I want to fix this. Through something positive for positive people, I am able to fix this. I'm able to find, identify, uplift these sex positive organizations. Like maybe I can travel around and I woke up this morning today actually with the idea of investing in like a something positive for positive people van or something to where I can travel around the world and interview people. That'd be really cool to do. So if y'all know somebody with a fixer-upper, camper, or van or something that they trying to get rid of, like I'll put money into fixing it up. Uh, let me know. <laughs> I don't have a car. I just sold it today. So that's $600 a month I no longer have to spend. Whoop, whoop. So I'm going to start saving up for that, uh, that camper so I can make this dream a reality. And I'm also going to be taking this camper to interview these um, healthcare providers who are doing the work, who are doing well, who are um, empowering people who come in with so much shame and sexual health internalized stigma um, to become advocates, to be their own advocates, to be able to have their gender identities affirmed and have their sexual orientation and um, experiences validated and know that they've been given all of the options for themselves that they can choose from. That's what it, that's what I want. Like that's what the world's going to look like through something positive for positive people. And of course we're going to still get people therapy, right? Um, But uh, I've just discovered from firsthand experience that 
there is a much larger, there's a much greater need for something like this than I thought. And, you know, the way that people deliver diagnosis and the information that's exchanged there. Like, I, I account for two cases of chlamydia diagnoses that during COVID, like, that's how, that's also what's embarrassing to me. I account for two cases, not one, two, because of repeat exposure. And the repeat exposure being because of just like a little misunderstanding or miscommunication in regards to what the next steps should have been. All because of perhaps there being, and this is just me picking up on this, but I picked up on the discomfort about talking about sex and sexuality, sex, uh, STIs. No one wanted to tell me, hey, you're partner might have cheated on you or asked the questions to find out that I was non-monogamous and one of my partner's partners might have cheated on them or been dishonest or something like that. I didn't have that in this moment and I needed it. I know where I can get it from, but that wasn't accessible to me in the moment. So therefore, I got to make sure that this shit don't happen to nobody else. If you found value in this podcast episode or any podcast episode or from any of the social media accounts, anything that I said, if any of it stuck with you, please consider leaving a donation to something positive for positive people. If you visit www.spfpp.org on the homepage, you'll see options to become a Patreon subscriber where you can donate monthly, committing to whatever it is that you choose to commit to. You can donate via PayPal. Or you can donate via Venmo. And all of these options are at the top of the homepage whenever you go to it. Um, Please continue to support the podcast by leaving us a review, sharing it in spaces that you feel that they are um, relevant or valid. Um, Let me know what you thought of this. Let me know how the audio sounds because I'm not using the same equipment that I had before. And here I am like going to be doing a lot more of these solo episodes until I can get to a point of traveling to people and seeing them in person or I get the hang of this new recording format um, a lot earlier. But it's just easier for me to record myself because I'll fix my um, autocorrects, my likes, my ums, or correct myself if I say the wrong thing. I didn't mean to say autocorrects. I don't know why I even said that. So uh, thank you all for your support. Thanks for creating uh, this environment, this space where I feel safe to share such intimate details about my dating and sex life. Um, um, shout out to my fucking amazing partners <laughs> who uh, are with me through this and who dealt with my emotions and everybody who dealt with uh just like a, a, a not all the way Courtney Courtney if that makes sense um yeah and I won't be able to drink for a few weeks but as soon as I can y'all know we're gonna get back to them tipsy talks so again if you have any questions don't hesitate to reach out I'm on social media at h on my chest till next time stay sex positive